Well, good morning to our Middleburg Heights campus. Good morning. All right, and we also wanna say good morning to our Olmstead Falls campus. Good morning to those online. And it's my pleasure to say good morning to all the guys at the Lorraine Correctional Institute campus. We are so excited that you've said yes to allowing us to have a campus in your community. And we are grateful for all of you, including the staff and your families who are watching as well. Well, I want to start with a story uh, uh, of my very scary dream. I had a very scary dream in 2017. I had a guy in my ministry who came to one of my Bible studies every week. His name was Ted, and he would always poke me. Do you have people like that who would poke you? And he would always say, come to prison with me. Come to prison with me. Come on, come to prison with me. And I'd always say, oh, you know, come on, Ted. You know, I'm too busy. Deep down, I was terrified, right? Come to prison with you. Are you kidding? That's scary. Until I finally, he just kept poking me. I was getting bruised all over, and I finally said yes, right? And so the night before I went to Lorraine Correctional in 2017, I had this horrible dream. I, now, listen, I've never been into the incarcerated community. I, I've never been. I don't know what to expect, but I've watched some shows. So all I know, my dream, I am walking through the yard. I didn't even know what that meant. I do now, but I'm walking through the yard, and I hear this big buzzer. That doesn't happen, by the way, um, when you're walking through the yard. And it's lunchtime, and all these guys walk out of their, their cell blocks, and they're walking right towards me and Ted. And right before they get to us, a fight ensues between a couple guys, and we get trampled. And then I woke up. I'm going in the next morning. Are you kidding me? I'm terrified even more now. Oh my gosh, so we go to Lorraine Correctional, we go through security, we're walking through the yard. Guess what time it was? 12.30. Guess what? All the guys start leaving their cell block. They come walking right at us, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my dream's coming true. This is terrible. And they walk right by, they say hello, and they keep going right to the chow hall. Nothing happened. It was great, thankfully. We go and have an amazing chapel service. In 2020, what's amazing is God gave me a different dream. He gave us a different vision that we would plant a campus at the same Lorraine Correctional. Isn't that amazing? But it was a different dream, right? And I'm going to share that with you this morning. God's vision for his church is to live out the great commission of making Jesus number one in every area of our life while also making disciples who love Jesus grow with others and serve the world around them, all the while making that those people would also make disciples who would do the same. Disciple-making discipleship. This means that we look for opportunities to serve those who don't know Jesus yet, while at the same time equipping the saints who do know Jesus, encouraging them as well. Even amongst the forgotten and the overlooked ones. There's one community that's forgotten and overlooked, and it's the incarcerated community. There's more, but the incarcerated community is one of those that is forgotten and overlooked. Jesus states in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, that when we visit those in prison, guess who we meet with? We visit Jesus. Keep that in mind as we go through the rest of the morning. In other words, Jesus is calling his followers to go to those who were forgotten about. I and a group of people from the Middleburg Heights and the Olmstead Falls campus have made the Lorraine campus ours. 
That's where we go. We go on Mondays to worship, and there's a lot of other ministries I'm gonna share about today that we're doing, and we're, we have a real campus at Lorraine. It's awesome. We get to go and be a part of seeing lives transformed. The men, the staff, and the families, listen, they need to know that they are loved and that they are valued by God, the creator of their souls. They need to know that, right? So what's been transpiring since we said yes to launching a campus in the incarcerated community in the summer of 2021? We have literally been watching the hand of God open doors and make meetings happen amongst the right people. In October, my friend Mike Swiger, who's with us and his, his family's with us this morning, Mike Swiger reached out to me and he said in October, he said, listen, Warden Black is ready to meet with us to discuss what it might look like. Now, I just wanna share a little bit about Mike. Mike is a dear friend of mine and I'm kind of obsessed with Mike in a good, healthy way, a hero with, of mine. Uh, but Mike was incarcerated for 17 years and he came to know Jesus shortly after he was incarcerated. And that changed his life forever. It transformed Mike more than changed him, it transformed him. He knew for the first time that God had a purpose on his life. Mike is now the CEO of True Freedom Ministries that is based right here in Cleveland and they are in every single incarcerated community in the state of Ohio, providing hope and love that only Jesus can provide. Mike made this meeting happen because of his relationship with the warden and I started praying for this meeting before we went and I was praying that God would just allow transformative ministries to be planted at Lorraine Correctional. I literally had no idea what to expect for this meeting. I'd never met the warden. I had never done anything like this before. I truly had no idea how we would do what we're saying we're gonna do. So Mike spoke the whole time in the meeting. It was awesome. Thank you, Mike, for doing that. And at the end of the meeting, the warden said not only yes to the three transformational ministries that we're gonna plant, she said yes to having two services on Monday, Monday morning and afternoon. And then she said this, she said, hey, you guys have to come back. You have to come back and, and see something. I'm gonna tell you later what she said. The warden was so excited about all that God was going to do through Grace Church and so many other people, including the men at Lorraine Correctional. Today, I'm seeing God personally more clearly. I'm hearing his voice more distinctly than I ever have in my entire life. And I share all of this with you because it's very exciting what God's doing. When I shared this with my friend Chris Wokel, who's in the back today, hello Chris, what he said to me was, he said, Scott, you know what this sounds like? It sounds like the boy who brought his lunch to feed the 5,000, but he didn't know about it. And I said, oh my gosh, you're exactly right, Chris. And today, I feel more like that boy who just brought his lunch than ever before. Let, let's, let's read that together. This account of the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going... They did not have time 
They didn't have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do, we, do you have, Jesus asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. They had leftovers. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Now there was a lot of ministry that was happening at this time. Because they were all so busy with healing and teaching and doing the work that the people needed, Jesus invited his disciples to take a break, to get some rest, to eat some steak and lamb chops, right? So they jump in a boat and they go across the Sea of Galilee, probably very close to the shoreline. They go from one side to the other and as they get into the boat, people recognize who it is and they they follow him and, and the crowd, as it was going across, got larger and larger and larger until they get to the other side. You see, people really wanted to be with Jesus. I love to ask the why behind the what. Why did people really want to be with Jesus? Yes, he was healing people all over the region. But this is the key. Jesus provided people hope. And he brought value to who they were, to their souls, because he created them the way he did. So he brought, they felt valued when Jesus was with them. Hope and value to their lives. Just like the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. She spent all of her savings on these doctors to try to heal her, her, her ailment and no one could. So she has so much faith that Jesus can heal her because she's been watching. Her proximity to Jesus was close enough that she saw all that was happening and she had enough faith that if I just touch the clothes of Jesus, I'll be healed. Jesus does more than just heal her. He promises that day that not only would she be healed, but she would have peace in her life and she would no longer suffer. Do you hear that? More than just healing, peace. No more long suffering. And then the man who is possessed by the demons, Jesus says, listen, you will no longer have these demons controlling you. You are free from demonic activity. But Jesus also had mercy on him. Both of these examples are people who were the outcasts, the forgotten ones. 
So why did people really want to be with Jesus? People knew that Jesus offered healing, mercy, peace, and hope. So what was fueling Jesus' desire to bring mercy, peace, and hope, and healing? What, what was fueling that in, within Jesus? Well, this large crowd is following Jesus and the fellows, and Jesus could have yelled at them. He could have said, get away, go back to your homes. We are exhausted. The guys need to rest. They need some steak, and we need fuel for tomorrow, so just come back tomorrow. Jesus could have done that, but that's not what three of the four accounts in the gospel say. What Jesus did when he landed on the other side, the first thing he did before he did anything, the, the scripture says that he had compassion on these people. And then he goes on to teach a lot and heal some of them. You see, Jesus had compassion on people and Jesus does the miraculous. Compassion and doing things that only Jesus can do. These are the two things that fueled the ministry of Jesus. What did the disciples and the young guy do, who, the young guy who brought his lunch, what did they do? They were like me that day. They just showed up with what they had. They had no idea what was gonna happen. We just have to show up with two things, compassion for people and faith that Jesus will do the miraculous. What happens when we do this, though? It's really important to understand what happens once we come in and we say yes and we just show up and we bring our lunch what happens when we join Jesus where he's already working? Once we enter through the door, like over 300 people did across our three campuses, three, over 300 people said either yes to Jesus last Sunday, or they said yes to recommitting their life to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That is powerful, right? When we do that, we become more and more like Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. When we bring compassion for people and faith that Jesus will do the miraculous, we join Jesus where he's already working. And then look what happens. John chapter six, this is one of the other accounts. Verses five through nine, I'm just gonna touch on this little section. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for the, these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for every person to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? You see, Jesus wasn't asking the guys just to participate. Jesus was testing the disciples. He wanted them to know where they were. He wanted them to know where their hearts and their minds were. It, it says in verse six that Jesus already knew what he was gonna do. He already knew that he was gonna use the young boy's lunch. The guys had no idea so their perspective on this whole thing is revealed right here. 
their perspective first, at least not yet, they don't have a kingdom-minded perspective yet. We will see in a minute that they, that develops. So they tell Jesus what they think should happen based on their own personal experiences. Send everyone to the small villages, let them eat, and then they'll come back tomorrow. Often, we can't even imagine or foresee God's way of doing anything, can we? Why? Because we haven't had enough God-sized experiences where God provides the solution to something. So we need more God-sized experiences, don't we? So did the guys. Without seeing God-sized solutions, it's hard to have God-sized dreams. You end up with the dreams that I had at the beginning, right? Scary. Brian Stevenson says this, the proximity to Jesus, proximity to Jesus causes transformation. My son, who's here this morning, Carter, he didn't know I was gonna say this, he just looked at me like that. Carter, when he was little, he used to love to go to the creek in front of my mom and dad's house in Millersburg, and he would get all these, um, what are those eggs, Carter, that you get? Those, uh, they're on our back porch right now. What are they? Fro uh, no, the tadpole eggs, yeah, thank you. I had, I totally forgot just for a second. Tadpole eggs, and the tadpole, what happens? The egg breaks, they eat all that stuff, they get bigger and bigger, you get bigger tadpoles, and then eventually they transform into a frog, right? The same as a caterpillar to a butterfly. Proximity to Jesus causes that transformation in us. Proximity to Jesus causes transformation. The guys were starting to spend time with Jesus, but they didn't have God-sized dreams quite yet because maybe they didn't have enough time or enough of those experiences. Let's look back to the question from Jesus to Philip. What would you do, Philip? What would you do? Trust for something greater or share only what you know? Philip was being tested at a soul level, and I imagine the other guys in the room were being tested too, but they were probably like, oh, Philip, what do you think, right? Thank goodness, they were like, thank goodness Jesus didn't call on me. Go ahead, Philip, what would you do here, buddy, right? Philip, do you have God-sized dreams of what could happen right here? Philip, do you realize that your dreams are really just Philip-sized right now? So we have to ask the question, well, what's the purpose of a test? Why would Jesus do this to Philip and the fellas? Well, the test reveals the student to the student, right? Whenever you take a test, you get whatever grade, and it reveals to you what you know. The same is true at a soul level with Jesus. He's saying to Philip and the guys, I want you guys to see what your God-sized dreams are, what maybe what you expect the Lord to do versus what you would do or what you think God will do. Philip realized in that moment that his faith and his dreams were too small and too routine. And in doing so, what we see, which is really interesting, Philip begins to grow right before our eyes at a soul level over the next eight years. Philip grows in two areas. He grows in his compassion for people and he grows in faith that Jesus will do the miraculous. Philip is being transformed. Look in Acts chapter eight. So Acts chapter eight, um, from Acts one, the ascension of Jesus to Acts chapter eight is eight years. 
So it took eight years for Philip to develop this by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to mention. The church in Jerusalem was being persecuted greatly at this time. The church was only in Jerusalem. It hadn't scattered yet. All of this persecution causes the church to scatter. In Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, it says this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs that he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and others were healed. So there was great joy in the city that day. You see, Philip heads down to Samaria. He speaks Jesus to the people there, and he proclaimed Christ. What happens? The crowds heard and saw the miraculous that only Jesus could do, and many people were healed that day. A little bit later, we read in, in Acts chapter 8 that Philip is hanging out with a guy from Ethiopia, and he's saying, hey, what is Isaiah saying? What is this book talking about Jesus, the coming Messiah? Tell me about him. So he speaks Jesus again to the Ethiopian man, and what happens? This guy says yes to Jesus. He follows him as Savior and Lord. Philip understood where he was at after the testing and was transformed by proximity to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit over those eight years. Has God ever tested you? Has God ever revealed to you where your perspective is at? Well, for me and some of the people who've been going out to Lorraine and even the guys at Lorraine, God has been testing us for sure. And I just want to share with you what God's revealed to me about me. It's really big. God's revealed to me that before launching this campus, my faith was pretty shallow. God's revealed to me that my faith has been in me. God's revealed to me where I need to grow. He's also revealed to me that when I don't have clarity in what God is saying, or what God's doing, I will sometimes stop trusting Jesus and just do it on my own. Do I have anyone in here that relates to me? Right, thank you, brother. Only one per, I'm just kidding. All of us can relate to that, right? But let me tell you where God's grown me. God's grown my compassion for all people. God's grown my faith that Jesus will do the miraculous. God has grown my understanding that God can do so much more than I ever imagined. God has grown my desperate dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit to do things, to make things happen, to bring people into my life like Mike Swiger, to put things on the, the warden's heart, to, to want to see transformation change in the lives of people. God has also grown my dreaming, God-sized dreams, and for that I say, thank God. What's changed? My proximity to Jesus. I've grown closer to Jesus in these days because I had to depend on him. I had no clue what I was doing. I've also had to depend on him every step of the way. I've been in the word probably more than I ever have. So what happens when we join Jesus where he's working? Our proximity to Jesus has to change when we join him where he's working, doesn't it? The other thing that we experience is testing. God, he, he 
reveals to us who we are, where our hopes are, where our dreams are. He reveals our souls to us. When we join Jesus, when we grow in our proximity, we also grow in our compassion for people and we grow in our faith that Jesus can do the miraculous. So when we join Jesus where he's working, there's something that we learn from this story that we must do. When we show up, when we show up, we must bring our gifts and our talents just like the boy did when he brought his lunch. John six, verse nine, it says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how how far will they go among so many? You see, we find out that the disciples, that they had the five loaves and the two fish from the younger boy. He prepared his lunch before he left to go increase his proximity to Jesus. He wanted to go be with Jesus. He wanted to watch and see what Jesus would do. Now, this boy was probably in his late teens or early 20s. We don't know very much about this younger guy, but we do know this. He came to be with Jesus, and he came prepared. So, This young guy wants to increase his proximity to Jesus, and we can learn so much from the younger generation. Let me say that again. We, I'm 48 years old, we can learn so much from the younger generation. I wanna speak to the next generation just for a minute. You guys can teach us a lot. You guys can teach the older generations a lot about faith, a lot about compassion for people, and we want you to teach us. Bring your lunch as this boy did. Don't be bashful. Don't wait for others to do it. You lead and go for it. Follow Jesus. Increase your proximity to him. And some of us might follow you. You you know who's not afraid to be an example to others just like that either? Those in the incarcerated community. I've been blown away by the depth of these men and the staff So in the last three months, we've had 15 men say yes to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? 15 men already have said yes to Jesus. We have over 50 guys who have said yes to rededicating their lives to the Lord. And many more are growing in their Bible knowledge. They're growing in their proximity to Jesus. Why? Because there's men in the incarcerated community who have known Jesus for a long time and they have brought their lunch. They've said yes to Jesus for years, teaching men, mentoring men, being there, and essentially they're the church inside the incarcerated community. It's amazing. So what does all of this mean for us? What I'm about ready to say, I'm giving a warning. You can go ahead and email Pastor Jonathan what I'm about ready to say. He already knows it. (laughs) I'm gonna get a little prickly, okay? Now, who is this prickly not for? If you just came to know Jesus and you need to learn this is not for you, if you are in a very broken place in life and you just simply need the oil healing power of the Holy Spirit to wash over you, this prickly message is not for you. If you've already brought your lunch and you are already meeting the Lord where he's at work, This isn't for you either. This message is for me a long time ago when I sat for way too long as a consumer within the church. 
I believe in the American church that we have so much consumerism where we just come and we're fed and we're fed and we're fed. We are so full, we can't move. I believe that the Lord is calling us to stop being gluttonous and to bring our lunch and meet Jesus where he's already at work. He wants us to increase our proximity to him and not just be a consumer. So what can we do? God wants us to prepare what we have. Whenever we make a lunch, we always have to prepare it the night before, right? What are your gifts? What are your talents? Where might God be using you outside of Sunday morning at 1030? Increase your proximity. Join Jesus where he's already at work. Desperately depend on the Lord to do what only he can do in and through you. Ask for more compassion for people. Ask the Lord to show you the unseen or the overlooked. Have greater faith that Jesus will do the miraculous. Can you imagine what that boy must have felt like when Jesus used his prepared lunch? What was he thinking when Jesus used, he created the perfect visual for multiplication? When the 12 basketfuls of his small lunch came back in a to-go package, how did he feel? He didn't just feed the 5,000 with this tiny lunch. There were leftovers for tomorrow. What do you think this did to the young boy? I can guess that this miracle that he witnessed, I, I, would, I would guess that it transformed his life. We don't know, it doesn't say, but the reason is because he increased his proximity to Jesus and he simply brought his lunch. He watched Jesus do the work. For the prison campus, we're beginning to see Jesus in big ways. It's amazing. Our faith, not only the, God, the people who go, the men and women who go, but the people who are in the incarcerated community as well, our faith is growing immensely as doors open up and relationships are growing. Every time I think that there's no way we can do that, that there's no way that we can go into the mental health area, cell block, and do a Bible study down there with seven guys. We can't do that. What do we need? Well, you need somebody who's licensed on your team as a counselor. Mike is licensed as a, oh my goodness, not Mike Swiger, another Mike, and he, we, he, he's been coming for the last couple of Mondays and we have a two and a half hour break. Do you think we could do it at 1130? Oh my gosh, that's the perfect time to do a Bible study down there. What? That's only God. Men are saying yes to Jesus. People are being transformed. But people are also, men are stepping up and they're leading for the Lord. They're going deeper in their faith. Not only people from the Middleburg Heights and Olmstead Falls community, but also from the incarcerated community. So, what happened to the men who helped with the distribution of the food? When they landed on the other side of the lake and there were 5,000 plus people, do you think they, they were, do they say, wait, Jesus, what? Have compassion on people. Who do you think you are? They didn't say that, did they? They were like, oh, Jesus is, look at what he just did. He just did an amazing miracle. But listen, they weren't just spectators. They then got in the game. The boy brought the food and the disciples did the work of the distribution. That's the body of Christ at work, isn't it? 
May we participate in the same way as the body of Christ today. When we bring our lunch, have compassion on people and have faith that God will do the miraculous, listen to this. He's going to write the rest of the story in and through your life. And we get to participate in what he's doing. All right, one last story. So we brought our lunch. We showed up for that first meeting with the warden. She ends up saying yes to th the three ministries that we talked about that you know, we would offer, as well as two services on Monday. Something more happened that day. She said, I, I want you guys to have your own office from Grace Church so that you can pray with people, you can meet with people, you can teach a class down there. And I'm like, that's cool. And Mike's like, Scott, that stuff doesn't happen, right? He's like, you don't get an office the first day you meet the warden. As we're walking back to the office, I'm like, are you serious? I didn't know that, that's pretty cool, right? But even more. She says that very first day as we were leaving the office, she says, hey, by the way, there's this guy, he, he's been, he's really down and he wants to change his life. He doesn't want to live this way anymore and he's asking for hope and I thought, I thought you guys would be the best people to give him hope and we're like, oh yeah, let's go, right? So she brings this guy down and we listen to his story and Mike is doing this amazing job of telling him about the gospel and, and then he's like, Scott, do you have anything to add? And I'm like, I'm like, I am so not prepared right now. So I just share the gospel with the guy and I share my story. And the guy says yes to Jesus right there on the spot. Isn't that cool? Like so many amazing things are happening. So proximity to Jesus transforms people's lives. When we have compassion on people and believe and have faith that Jesus can do the miraculous, that he will do the miraculous, amazing things happen. One last thing I wanna read. This is a letter, a handwritten letter from a guy by the name of Jamie. He says this. Jamie, by the way, is one of the 15 men who have said yes to Jesus. And he says, my dearest friends, though we've never met, I felt moved by the Holy Spirit to reach out to you with words of encouragement and thanks for all your offerings of peace and love. Many of us in prison are looked at with suspicion or worse yet, forgotten altogether. I want you to know with certainty that being able to attend these services on a weekly basis and have the brothers and sisters pray with me at the end of the service have been the single most positive experience I've had in my life for quite some time. I also deeply appreciate having access to spiritually themed books. I currently am reading a Tyndale New Testament commentary on, of all books, the book of Revelation, which I'm enjoying very much. The gifts that you've provided are like a cool, refreshing rain on a parched land. I'm being released, and he tells the date, and even though I don't know where I'm going, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to stay what is going to become of me, I am now completely confident that the Lord is going to see me through. Your brothers and sisters that come to Lorraine are also helping me find a church where I'm gonna to move to. I am fully prepared to go wherever God leads me. I am now more ready than I've ever been to go out and do his will. Wow, right? Wow. You see, when you simply bring your lunch, you will experience what we have at the Lorraine campus. 
Compassion like Jesus has for people. The true faith that Jesus will do the miraculous more than you could ever imagine. You see, Jesus has something planned for you to join him in doing. When we simply bring our lunch, he will write the rest of the story in and through your life. Listen to this. Our scary dreams will be transformed into God-sized dreams. And the kingdom of God will grow as he does the multiplying. My prayer is that we, as the church, will join him. Let's pray. Jesus, wow. (laughs) You have been doing amazing work. You've been tilling the soil for so many years. We get to stand on the shoulders of people like my friend Mike and so many others who have gone before us. And we are just reaping the harvest of what so many people have done. Jesus, we are so incredibly grateful that you want to provide hope and value to the lives of people. And we, it blows me away that we can join you, that we get to join you in the work that you're doing, that you've invited us to do that, and you've actually called us to do that in going and making disciples. Jesus, I pray for a continued stirring in each of our souls so that we can get to know you by increasing our proximity to you as, Lord, we learn and grow in our compassion for all people, but also that our faith grows deeper, that you can do the miraculous, and that our dreams become your dreams, God-sized dreams. We pray that, that you truly will transform not only us, but all people. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.